So a product vision, like the reality is there is no standard, which is also what makes it so tricky. Um, I think for me, the, the product vision that I consider to be the most effective is really at the end of the day, the story about a customer and how they've evolved from being in a state of pain to a state of, uh, it could be uh, efficiency, it could be efficacy, it could be some better way that they are living and operating because of the injection of your product into their lives. Hey, I'm your host, Cyrus Shirazian, and welcome to PM Hub Podcast, a show dedicated to bringing you fresh and unique insights from product leaders and tech entrepreneurs. All right, Hope, welcome to PM Hub. Thank you, Cyrus. It's great to be, uh, you know, talking to you about a topic that means a lot to me, and I think is challenging for a lot of people. So hopefully, we can help some people today. Yes, yes, that's that's the plan, and I'm really excited to have you on today. Talk about product vision, and I think, uh, you know, I don't think you will need introduction, but I guess for 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 those folks who don't know you much, uh, if you don't mind sharing with us you know, your journey into product and how has it evolved over the years? That'd be great. Yeah, no problem. I, I have been working in product for a very long time because I've been working at sort of tech and internet-based companies essentially my entire career, uh, which is, you know, going on 30 years now, which is a little frightening to say. Um, but anyway, and I've worked with really at this point, probably hundreds of product teams between the teams that um, I've managed when I was in a product leadership role, as well as uh, the teams that I, I work with now uh, as a coach or as a consultant. And I think for me, uh, you know, I, some of my early work was done uh, at companies like AOL back in the early, early days of AOL. Um, I really do, began doing more product work when I was running verticals at AOL, like real estate and jobs and shopping. And I think what was so informative for me in that time was I really had to find that intersection between what was good for the customers and users and what was good for the company and really try to find that sweet spot of value um, and having that drive what I worked on cross-functionally with a team um, really informed uh, the way that I, I think about product, effective product practices today. And so uh, over the since then, I've been chief product officer at a company called Career Builder. I was SVP of product management at a company called Beachbody. Um, and I've been coaching and consulting uh, with product leaders and teams for the past several years. Awesome. I think you're definitely uh, uh, the right person to talk about this topic since you worked uh, with a lot of cross-functional teams in your career. So uh, let's, let's get right into it. So I guess uh, let's take it from the top, right? So let's just start off like, what is a product vision and why does it matter to have one? Yeah, so a product vision, like the reality is there is no standard, which is also what makes it so tricky. Um, I think for me, the, the product vision that I consider to be the most effective is really at the end of the day, the story about a customer and how they've evolved from being in a state of pain to a state of uh, it could be uh, efficiency, it could be efficacy, it could be some better way that they are living and operating because of the injection of your product into their lives. And so that story can take many 
shapes and forms. It could be a video, it could be a storyboard, it could be a presentation of sorts, um, but really it should be a story about a person whose lives were once terrible and are now better because of the experience using your product. Yeah, and I guess, I'm not sure if you agree with me on this or not, but I guess maybe because one of the reasons that could contribute to, you know, you mentioned for it to be a little bit uh, fuzzy is because you have all sorts of customers and like, you know, in order for you to understand all of them and uh, in, in a decent amount and depth, I think uh, it's it's a really tough job to do, right? Would, would you agree? Yeah, it's true. They, like putting the who and making a definitive decision about who should be at the center of the story is one of the hardest decisions that a product team has to make. And they're usually not making it alone. They're making it in conjunction with their leadership team, with their marketing team, with their sales team, with their support teams. Um, but it is important to pick a who that is meaningful, relevant to your product and relevant to your company's thesis of where they see the most growth potential coming from. Yeah, 100%. Cool. So so what are in your in your thoughts, what are the elements of a product vision? Hope. Yeah, so a product vision has, um, to me, like the two elements that it must uh, contain is something that speaks to the mind, and something that speaks to the heart. And the mind are really the those questions that are sort of more the businessy questions, right? Like, who is the target customer for this? What is the market? What's the size of that market? Like, how many people have this problem? Um, why are they dissatisfied? Like, why do we believe there's an opportunity in the market? Um, and what's at stake if we succeed or don't succeed? So, like, having the answers to those questions, the sort of rational part of, like, this is worth pursuing um, is a critical part of the vision. But you can't just have that. And that's why I think a lot of visions fall short, because they don't have any heart, don't have any emotion. And without that, you don't get that motivation and you don't get that purpose and the people feeling like I've got to do this. This is this is what I am here to do and to achieve. And so that's really where you start to add more compelling elements to your vision, where you think about the things that create uh, a visceral response in people. And so like one might be compassion, compassion around the customers that you're trying to serve, why their needs matter, what their goals are, what, what they're trying to self-actualize into and your empathy and compassion for that. Um, another could be anger, like, why is it so terrible what they're dealing with today? And why are they so frustrated? Can you evoke that level of frustration about the inadequacies of their current solutions? And it may even be your product that is inadequate that you need to rally people around. Um, could be shame. We haven't done something sooner about this problem. How could we let this linger? We must solve it. Um, and then optimism that we are the right team, the right company who can actually make the lives better for these customers. And so that is what's going to fuel that forward momentum into realizing that vision yeah no that's beautiful the way you put it like with with heart with the heart it should resonate with the heart and the mind and uh now that you're saying it, it makes perfect sense i'm just like wondering how comes i mean almost for me at least probably i haven't heard this 
kind of like way of full kind of thinking about product vision before i'm just trying to understand how come it makes a lot of sense now you say it <laughs> i think there's not a lot of examples out there a lot of product leaders shy away from doing a product vision there's not a lot of examples out there a lot of products get built and people are you know figure out what to do without one but it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody's working towards a common purpose and that people can articulate it and have a shared definition of what that that common purposes. And that's where I see teams struggling when they don't have a product vision. Yeah, no, that's fair. Cool. I, I guess we talked about the who part of like setting a product vision as a difficulty, but I'm curious to hear from your thoughts. What are some other, you know, uh, difficulties that you've kind of like noticed uh, that happens when, when people, product people want to go ahead and set a product vision? Yeah, so assuming they see there's a need to do one, um, often they are struggling with, again, what format should it take, right? Again, because there aren't a lot of examples out there. And so, you know, people tend to default to what they know and what they feel comfortable with, which is typically slideware. Now, there's great slide keynote and other techniques. So you can create a compelling story telling driven product vision with slideware, but you have to make sure that you keep that. It must tell a story at the forefront of it. Um, so I think that again, what form should it take? Do I even feel effective in using that form is sometimes what people uh, are concerned with. And I think the other thing that prevents people from doing it is it requires a lot of decisions that maybe haven't really been made yet at the company. Usually if there's a product vision, it will need to connect to a company strategy. And what I find is that often product leaders who might say, hey, we need a vision, when we like ask, well, what's the company strategy? They haven't actually picked their target markets. They don't know the size of those markets. They don't, they actually haven't figured out a value proposition that they think is important for them to win share in a particular market. And so you find that you've got this sort of rudderless state where somebody is now expected to create a product vision and it actually causes them to go back and do some harder work with their leadership team around really what's our company strategy? Which target markets are we going to focus on? Which competitors do we want to be better than? Um, and then that actually creates more of the foundation that you need to actually inform your product vision. Then you have to do the hard work of like, well, what do we really know about our customers and their alternatives to using our products? And so if they haven't done that hard work of really deeply understanding their customers and their unmet needs, they don't have the fodder to create a product vision. So sometimes it's the format but more often than not it's they don't actually have the raw material to create a very well-informed product vision yeah that's that's very interesting and i guess you talked about the strategy a, a bit that i'm curious to know uh which one feeds the other like is it right did i hear you uh, kind of right mention mm -hmm. kind of like they need to get the strategy first and drive the vision from that is mm -hmm. that how you put it yeah yeah, well, so it's not necessarily in that order. So it just, every company is slightly in a different state. So companies that have a very strong or a, at least a set of beliefs around what they think their company strategy is may or may not be calibrated with real customers and their existing alternatives and their unmet needs associated with those alternatives. So you, 
you need to have both, but you can start from either place. You can start with, we have some theories and some ideas that we believe to be true, or you can start with, uh, let's actually understand what is true, and then maybe we have to revise our company strategy. But you need to have both of those elements about what is success for the company and what are, is our target market and their alternatives and their unmet needs so that we can inform the product strategy and vision. Yeah. Okay, makes sense. Cool. So I guess I'd love if you could uh, kind of tell us a bit more about the process of mm-hmm. setting a product vision, like who should be involved? Is it collaborative? Like, how, how does it look like? Yeah. So I would say the least effective product visions are ones that are done in isolation, where somebody just says, I'm going to like go and spend some time on my own creating a vision, and then I'm going to do a grand reveal to everybody else, and you will just love it and accept it. I would say that's usually the least effective form of product vision creation. It might be fast. You might even tell a good story. But what it won't do is motivate people towards a common destination. And so you definitely need it to be a collaborative process. And so in that um, case, so it's you need to have all those company strategy elements and that deep customer understanding or prospective customer understanding. And oftentimes you do have experts already within your company who have pieces of that. Um, hopefully there are people within your product team Hopefully, there are people in your sales and support and marketing team. Hopefully, it's within your executive team. But you're, what you want to tap into is what they know and believe about their customers and where you see the company going. And, and again, your customers' alternatives. Why are they paying today? And what would it mean for them to have that pain resolved? What would that mean for the company? What would that mean for the customers? And so it, you want to make sure that you have Uh, collaboration with all of those people so that you can reflect what their understanding is in the vision that you create. So one of the things that I find effective for product leaders to do is they make sure that they've digested all of that from their internal teams, as well as their own experiences with customers and their own point of view. And then, you know, you start with a prototype of that vision. Again, it could be uh, a storyboard, it could be a slide deck, but something that brings the pieces of that vision together. And one of the uh, techniques that I recommend with my clients is to use the sort of hero's journey framework to at least get that first draft in front of people. And then you can see how it matches or doesn't match their understanding of the target customer and their needs and their alternatives. And then you can refine it. And then ultimately you end up with a version of that that is informed by and embraced by the people in your company. And that means that when you actually make it an investment to make it maybe more visually compelling, have more emotion, have more um, storytelling chops in it, it actually increases the probability of being shared, understood, and retained by all those people in your company who have to work together to achieve it. Like what you hear so far, make sure to never miss an episode by clicking on the subscribe button now. This podcast has been made possible by listeners like yourself, and I'm thankful for your support. Now, let's head back to the show. Yeah, no, I love that. And I love the hero's journey as well. I'm, I'm sure we're going to get into it a bit later in the examples piece now. Uh, now, did I, uh, so in terms of like when you said that kind of like, um, you know, any sort of, I guess, uh, prototype, artifact, whatever you want to call it, like the version of that 
uh, product vision, you mentioned you have to uh, communicate it internally with your teams mm -hmm. to for them to see do, do you resonate. Mm -hmm. Would you need to do the same with your customers as well, or is it just an internal process? Yeah, so I think it's an interesting question because there's some times where you really want it to be a closely guarded secret. But I actually find that the a vision that really is anchored around your customers and their pain and what they're trying to achieve is something that is easily shared with external parties like customers and investors and doesn't really reveal how you intend to solve it. Oftentimes, um, when people do create a product vision, sometimes they err too much on the side of the how. Let me show you the prototypes of what it could look like. Let me show you like how all the pieces are going to come together. Let me show you a release plan. That's really not going to create the emotion. It might create confidence that you have a plan, but it doesn't necessarily create confidence that you're solving the right problems for customers. So I think it is a, a, a if you create the vision, and this is why I like using a video story format, um, you can make it you know, easily shared with customers. And either it's going to resonate, like, yes, you understand my, my pain. And yes, that's exactly what the, the life I want to live if you resolve this pain. But you don't necessarily have to get too deep into the how. And so if you can share that with customers and it is supporting that you're on the right track with the vision, then you know you've got the right vision for the right customers. They could also have a negative reaction to it. And that's going to tell you one of two things. Either you they're not in the target market that you thought, and you may need to refine the target market, or there's you haven't really understood their most compelling problems. And so that might cause you to revisit your product vision. Yeah, that's that's very interesting when it gets to that point. And I guess to your point, uh, it doesn't really make too much sense to talk about the how for multiple reasons. I mean, that's that could be part of the strategy itself, and you don't really necessarily need to reveal that. And that totally makes sense too, right? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, cool, awesome. So how does you know a product leader can go ahead and communicate this, you know, a, a product vision that's like you mentioned is meaningful and motivating. And I'd love if you could share some examples of good and bad, you know, uh, kind of like product visions that that you've seen out there. Yeah. And in fact, I, I wrote an article, maybe you can put it in the show notes that I because it is so difficult to find um product vision examples. Um, so maybe two resources for people. Um, one is I, I interviewed five product leaders and asked them how they craft and communicate product vision. That's um, part of uh, uh, my podcast, Fearless Product Leadership. Uh, I also wrote uh, a, an article on Medium called, Are You Is Your Product uh, Vision uh, Heading in the Right Direction? Um, and so in that, I included three publicly available videos um, that were done for products. Um, and two were, I think, very compelling. And one was an example of what I would call it a glamour don't. Um, and again, using the framework of this hero's journey, uh, I, that's how I evaluated the sort of efficacy of these product vision videos. Um, like, does it have a hero at the center? Is it very clear what the pain is that they're experiencing today? I call it the evil spell that they're under. Um, and, you know, what does it mean when you add the magic potion of the product? And what does that mean in terms of like what they're able to do now with because they've added your product into their life? And then the why us is another compelling part of that. 
And so I gave, without calling out um, the examples of the don't, uh, it's in the article, so you can go see it. But in the uh, in the examples of the do, what I found is that usually it is nonprofits uh, that really make do this very well. They tell a story about who is experiencing pain, what it means for them to have this pain go unresolved, like what evil spell they're under and what it means when that evil spell is resolved, usually through the magic, you know, the magic potion of your donations and this charity coming together, working to solve this problem. But it's the same format that works very, very well um, for a product uh, vision uh, story. Yeah, no, I love that. And I'll make sure to put the um, links to that Medium blog and also your podcast itself uh, to, to the show notes for sure. Uh, thanks for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So I'm also curious to know, Hope, how often uh, should you revisit your product vision? Yeah. So um, it, this is always a, a tricky one because especially in larger products um, or teams or people might have, they might own a, a piece of the product or a piece of the customer journey. And then you try to communicate a vision that encompasses like the evolution of a very large product. It can be challenging um, for people. So what I tend to recommend is you want to have a product vision that again is very centered around the customer their unmet needs and the value of making them, you know, more effective in their roles, what they're trying to accomplish, how they can self-actualize. Um, and that will give you more longevity for that vision investment that you make, because they may be, you know, you may have 1% market share and you're trying to get to dominance in that market. So that vision can last for a long, long time, because again, it's lightly covering all the feature and, and product investments that you're making. It really stays um, centered on, on the target. But when it's time to potentially invest in a new product vision, it's usually because you're either targeting a new customer segment that has different needs, different unmet needs, different alternatives that they're using, um, or you're trying to create a, a new uh, product, something new for your existing customer segment, but for a different set of needs and alternatives. So that's usually the trigger for it's time for us to create a new product vision. Yeah, super cool. Now, I, I'm curious to know, like, let's say for each of the, let's say there's a, an, an enterprise setup, there's multiple different products that they have, and each have their own kind of like their own setup. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming there's an overarching vision. Now, each of these different uh, products sections, if you will, they need to have their own visions as well. And I'm curious to know, like, do they all need to align with the overall one or how does that right. look like? Yeah. So this go, this is, um, you know, always the, the challenge of creating focus and specificity within like a, a product that is part of, a say, a portfolio at a company and creating purpose and mission for that team. And whether the company is planning to sell things as a bundle or they expect customers to benefit across products in the portfolio. And depending on you know, what the company's point of view is, and this goes back to that company strategy piece, you may want to have very focused product visions for each 
product in the portfolio because they are meant to be used in isolation. If they're meant to be used in conjunction with one another, then higher probability that you, again, need to abstract to the what is the customer and what are their needs independent from all of the nuances of the product in our portfolio and why should they rely on us? What's special about us? What's that magic potion that we bring into their lives that um, casts away the evil spell of their, you know, alternatives that they've been using instead of using our product. And so again, this is where like you abstract more when you want to uh, not get specific about all the nuances in your product. But if you are very focused and you're bringing that one product to market, then you want to just focus on the customers for that particular product. Yeah. Man, makes makes perfect sense. Cool, uh, awesome. So, what are what are some use cases or applications of the product vision? I mean, at the company I, that that you could uh, use that for. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really an aligning technique, right? It's like, do we see? Do we all feel pain in the status quo? of what, you know, the unmet needs of our customers and do we see that better future? And so there's multiple audiences who would benefit from that, right? Certainly your employees, um, that could be, could be a hiring, uh, something that you share in your onboarding or hiring. Um, this is the mission that we're on. This is the value that we're trying to create in the world. It's for these customers. Um, it could be for operational meetings where you're, you know, revisiting your roadmap or revisiting, um, you know, how your product and support and sales teams are working together. And you need sort of a, a reminder of what your North Star is. Um, certainly, we talked about its value in customer and prospect meetings. Like this is the pain that we're um, going to work on solving for customers just like you so that they see themselves in your company's vision and want to be a part of it. And it also also is um, useful for investor meetings. If you're a startup, you want to create clarity on, we know the market that we're going after. We deeply understand our customers and their alternatives. And this is why you want to invest your capital with us because we understand this and this is our mission to solve. So it can work for a variety of audiences um, for the purpose of aligning and do we see the problem in the status quo and the better future the same way. Yeah, no, I love that. And that's just go, goes a long way to say like the value of the work that you're doing is beyond just the technical part of the product itself is cross functional for different divisions as well, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Cool. So I hope uh, you talked about a bit about your, how you help your clients, but I'm curious to know if you want to elaborate a bit more on how you help your clients out there. Yeah, I mean, so the work that I do um, on the coaching front is with product leaders and teams. Um, and the product leaders that I work with are usually new to the role. So they may have worked um, in other functions. Uh, oftentimes they're former CTOs or heads of engineering or heads of design or heads of marketing. Um, and they are stuck. They feel like tremendous responsibility in their products, um, in the product areas. They want to be able to coach and mentor their teams. And what I offer to them is a way to help them get unstuck and take those first steps um, towards the better future that they are envisioning for themselves and their teams and their company. Um, and so I do that through one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions. Um, and I also uh, have a partnership with Teresa Torres to help teams do product discovery, which is, again, an area that's usually uh, underinvested in and under uh, understood by, uh, by a lot of companies, but is critically important to a company's success with their product. 
100%. No doubt about that. Awesome. Well, Hope, thank you so much for coming on the show thank and talking you. about product vision. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun and uh, hopefully we help some people. That's it for this week's episode of PM Hub Podcast, guys. If you enjoyed it, definitely, you know, we'll, uh, share with your LinkedIn audience, Twitter, social media, and leave a five-star review so we can reach more audience. And if you have any suggestions, definitely reach out to me. My email is uh, cyrus at productmanagerhub.org. Now, if you want to get all the tips and action items, I can I can uh, give you a link and get them for free. It's at bit.ly forward slash pmhub3030. Also subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you don't miss any of the upcoming episodes. I'm Cyrus Shirazian. Until next show, stay safe and healthy.